How are we doing? You know, I went to that, I'm sorry, I just have to go take this little rabbit trail for a second. For first time ever going to New York, went to the Empire State Building, we walk in, the guy goes, how you doing? You know, just like, just like what's his name, you know, on Friends, it was so cool. So I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, the title of this workshop is Reflecting Jesus at Work. Hmm, I thought, wow, if we could get a handle on that, then we could pretty much handle anything because you know what? You're going to run into every single kind of personality or type of person. I mean, I just retired, okay? I've got over 60 years' experience in the business world, which they felt I was qualified to do this workshop because of that. And, of course, I, that's what I wrote the book about. So I didn't want to be redundant and write, uh, talk about the things that I wrote in the book because there's a lot of tools in there for you, a lot of circumstances to help you in the workplace. That was really the whole purpose of the book was to help you out there get through the workplace. But, but if we can get a handle on how to reflect Jesus in the workplace, then you know what? We can do it anywhere, can't we? Wherever we go, we can reflect Jesus. By the way, before we get started, did everybody get a handout? If you didn't, raise your hand. Okay, because I don't have PowerPoint. And I kind of, the girls in past years, I said, we really like the handouts because you can write on them, and then you got the scriptures, you can take them home. So as long as you got your handout, I want you to be able to follow me because I do a lot of scripture because I figure it's his word, not mine, that's really going to make a difference in your life. And that way you have them, and of course it's front back, so I do a lot of scripture because his word is a lot better than my word, and uh, you can trust the word of God, amen? Amen. So let's get started. Let's uh, have a word of prayer. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory, Lord, for this day, for this time that we can come together. And, And Father God, we so want to be women that reflect you and reflect your goodness and your mercy and your kindness and your love, Lord. All those wonderful things that you are, Lord, that's who we want to be. We want to be like that. So, Lord, would you help us? Would you teach us now through your word? Would your word just penetrates our heart and our mind and our spirits, Lord, that when we leave this place, we will walk away with those tools, Lord, that we need to survive in a world that is honestly, Lord, getting worse and worse every day, but we need to be the light. We need to be those that, that, that people will look and say, what's different about her? How, why is she always so happy? (laughs) Kind of like our happy in the play. Why is she always so happy? Because we have the joy of the Lord. That's our strength. So father, would you bless our time together? I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, darling, so there's a couple of different um, definitions for the word reflect or reflecting, but the one I liked was this. It says to give evidence of the character or quality of something. So that's what we want to do. We want to give evidence, we, that evidence, something people can see. We want to give that evidence that it's Jesus in us, wherever we are. Specifically, we're going to talk about the workplace. So then I have to ask the question, what kind of evidence is there in my life and your life that shows or reflects 
that Jesus is Lord of our lives? That's the question. That's what we have to ask ourselves. You know, you get up and go to work, and trust me, I know. I think I've run into every single personality there is out there and every kind of weirdo that might be out there. I think I've crossed their paths. And, and it's difficult. It's so difficult, especially when you're hearing language that, honestly, it hurts my heart when I hear some of this language, especially when they use, use the Lord's name in vain. And they don't think anything of it, right? That hurts my heart. But, but we have to be different. You see what I'm saying? We can't go along with that. So the question is, again, do our actions and our words give that evidence that, that Jesus is operating and the Holy Spirit is operating in our lives? So that's the question. So what I thought, if you and I are going to reflect Jesus then we need to know what his attributes are, what his characteristics are. I mean, we know a lot of them. I I just named them in the prayer, but I want to dig into the scripture. Let the scripture tell us what Jesus is like. So that's where we're going to go today. We're going to look at the character of Jesus. And this is, I believe, about the only place that Jesus really talks about himself, and it's in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, and this is Jesus speaking, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, you know, I I know when you go to work, you have a burden. Sometimes it's just a burden getting there, right? And then when you get there, it's another burden on top of another burden. So Jesus is saying, I want you to take my yoke upon you because I can handle it here's the hard part it's giving it to him right I mean I give it to him and then I take it back you know I give it to him and I take it back but we have that's something we have to learn and all these things I'm going to tell you that we're going to talk about today remember it's not something you're just going to go Monday morning and say I got it because after 60 years I cannot tell you I got it (laughs) but I try really hard you know and that's all the the Lord is asking us isn't it just go and do the best you can and to reflect me in the best you can, and I'll take care of the rest. That's all we have to do. So let's, let's break down his character. He's gentle. He's lowly in heart. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So let's look at gentle. Gentle literally means having or showing a mild, kind, and tender temperament or character temperament oh that's a rough one because sometimes those tempers flare don't they lowly in heart simply means humble or gentle and his yoke is easy and I want to explain to you what that means if you if you don't really understand that there's a great quote I got from this guy named J.H. Hewlett and he said this about the yoke and, and then I'll explain it to you a little bit further he said the fatal mistake for the believer is to seek to bear life's load in a single collar God never intended a woman to carry her burden alone. Christ, therefore, deals only in yokes. A yoke is a neck harness for two, and the Lord himself pleads to be one of the two. He wants to share the labor of any annoying task. The secret of peace and victory in the Christian life is found in putting off the taxing collar of self and acceptance and acceptance the master's relaxing relaxing yoke so in biblical terms 
remember back in, in the day that Jesus would have been walking the earth, and I even read a commentary. You know he was a carpenter, right? And he said it could, he could have very possibly have made jokes because they were made out of wood. And the way it worked was they would, you know, they used the ox in those days out in the field. They would take, they would build the yoke in such a way that the one on the left was a little bit heavier and that was the lead ox. In other words, the one that had the strength would be on the left. Then the one on the right, he was kind of following line like a trainee, so to speak, kind of coming alongside of the mentor. And that's what that yoke means to you and me. We need to let Jesus carry that heavy part and we will follow. Does that make sense? You see, that's the whole idea of the yoke. The yoke is easy. It's easy, it's easy to accept. It's not a burden. It should be relaxing. And it says he will carry the weight for us. All we have to do is give it to him. And I say that's all we have to do. But for me, and maybe you can say amen to this, that's the hardest part, isn't it? It's giving it to him because we can do it on our own. We can handle it, you know. But we need to bring him into every circumstance, especially in the workplace, because that's where you're going to find all those challenges. That's where you're going to be tempted, right? That's where these people that are doing things and they, they look happy. You know, you look at them and go, wow, well, they look happy, but they're not. You know, a lot of people put on a big face, don't they? But deep down, I mean, there's no real joy or happiness without the Lord in your life. So we need to get attach ourselves to Jesus with that yoke, and, and that way he'll always be with us. And, and then we go back to saying his burden is light. We don't have to share the burden alone. He's willing to take his, our burdens upon him. All we have to do is give it to him, and don't take it back. And when we do that, I love the scripture. It says we can soar like eagles, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's what we want to do when we're in the workplace. We want to be able to soar like an eagle, an eagle because we're putting our trust in him for him to be our strength, for him to tell us what's right and what's wrong. You know, yeah, that still small voice, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, that's what we need to listen to. Sometimes it's like you hear it and you just go ahead and do it your own way anyway. I know I have. And that's when it always turns out to be a problem. So let's look at some of the additional characteristics of Jesus directly from the gospel. So we know that he's humble. We know he's forgiving. We know he has peace. We know he speaks the truth. He was a servant. And he was the epitome of love, that agape love, God's love, that love that man can never, ever give us. Only God can give us that agape love. That means no strings attached. Love you just the way you are. Doesn't matter. Just the way you are. I love you. That's agape love. Let's look at the first one, humility. That means having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Boy, that's hard. You know, it's hard to be humble, isn't it? Because when you're humble, you're saying, really, um, Lord, I have nothing to do in this. It's all you. It's that humility. It's, it's a hard thing. So it's like I have to put what I've always, because we're not born that way, are we? We're born to think we're the most important one. We take care of number one. That's us. That's our human nature, right? That's what the Lord wants to change, and that's why it's a process, and that's why it doesn't happen overnight, but it can happen. 
1 Peter 5, 5 through 6 says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Let's break that down and take a look at it. It says, accept authority of the elders. Now, in the workplace, what does that mean? That's your boss, right? Or your supervisor, whoever is over you in authority. You have to accept that authority. And I know from personal experience, sometimes that's difficult when you know that they're wrong. You okay? You know they're wrong about something, but they want you to do it this way. And we have to accept that as long as it's not going against, you know, the standard of God or sinning against God anyway. I'm just talking about work situations that sometimes it's like, you know, I know he's wrong, but I'm going to do it this way because he told me because he's my boss. So we need to accept that authority. And we need to dress ourselves in humility. I like that. It's kind of like you have to put that on before you go to work. You have to dress yourself in humility. That also means physically. It means dress modestly, girls. Don't too low, too short, too tight. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Be careful because remember, you are, and Connie said it today, and we didn't compare notes, okay, but she took a lot of my notes here. Uh, <laughs> I went, Connie, did you read my workshop notes? Because she did a, even some of the scriptures. But that's good. That shows that the Lord, that, I love that. That's the thread that the Lord does through this retreat. It, it, it always happens. It's just beautiful. The Lord just kind of mixes them together, you know, like a, a beautiful um, painting or a beautiful quilt being uh, woven together. So in, in dressing modestly, we, need, we, we have to remember that we are representatives of Jesus. We're his ambassadors, right? So when they see you, what do they see? Let's hope they see Jesus. That's, that's our goal. If we don't have a goal, uh, you know, what are, what are we going to do? You have to have a goal. I have to have a goal. Lord, this is what I want to be. I want to be what the scripture says. I want to be that kind of person. You know, I want people to see me like that. I want people to want what, what they see in me, right? That's what we all want. And it says, as you relate to one another. Now, that's getting along with your fellow workers. And boy, can that be a challenge? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody have a challenge with a coworker in here? <laughs> I've had many, and they are a challenge. But, but it says we need the scripture says we need to relate to each other, you know, because you can still relate to that person. You may not be preaching the gospel, which, let me say this, and I say it in my book: you don't do that at work. It's at break time or lunch time, yes, but on work hours, you are paid to do a job, and you need to do your job. You understand? I would love to talk about Jesus all day long. Uh, but it's not the place, okay? The workplace is not that place. Like I said, it's, unless it's your break time or your lunch time, that's different, or after work, great. But during work, you are paid to do a job, and it's important. The reason I say that, again, we are representatives of Jesus. We want to show them that we're trustworthy. They can trust us to do the job, to do it right, exactly the way it told us. You with me? You see what I'm saying? says, God opposes the proud. The one thing the Lord really hates is pride. Be careful with pride. You know, we can get puffed up thinking we're better than someone else because maybe we know the job better than our own boss. That has happened, hasn't it? I'm sure it's happened to many of you. It's happened to me. We know the job better 
but they're still the boss and they're still the authority. So he gives grace to the humble and sometimes loved one. That means just turning the other cheek or zipping it. And not saying any more, I'm not going to say any more about that. Okay, verse 6 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. If you humble yourself, now that's an action word, something you have to do and only you can do it. Humble yourself, and at the right time, he will lift you up. Do you know he rewards you for that? He rewards you for being humble. It's amazing what the Lord does. I Many times uh, dealing with coworkers, I've had them really come down on me, um, knowing that I was a Christian, you know, come down on me hard. And sometimes, like I said, you just, sometimes you just have to zip it and just pray for them. And then the next thing I know, a couple of months later, one of their relatives is dying, and they come to you and ask them to pray. For, right? You see what I'm saying? So it's always good to humble yourself and... And it will be in the Lord's time, not in our time, but in the Lord's timing. So being humble takes practice, not natural, but you can do it. Then the second thing I see about Jesus is he's forgiving. And he continues to teach us in Matthew 18, 21 through 22. He said, I love this because I love Peter so much. Then Peter came to me and said, Lord, how often should... Uh, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So Peter thought he was really doing something great when he said seven times. Oh, if I forgive him for seven times, that's really good, huh, Lord? Uh-uh, Peter, seven times 70, that's 490. Does that mean we stop at 490 times? No, we keep going, right? Unforgiveness is a major, major stumbling block in your Christian walk. So important. A personal situation that I I talk about in my book that I'll just share a little bit with you because I had to learn this early on um, when I first became a Christian. You know, when when you're a baby Christian, it's like, woo-hoo, everything is so good and, you know, so exciting. You want to tell everybody about it. And um, I had a boss that was not too happy about the way he saw me change. And so I was so excited that I, when I was reading the Bible that I wanted to teach some of the other women, I wanted to do a Bible study at lunchtime. So I said to my boss, I said, could we use the conference room to do a Bible study? Because nothing went on there during lunch. I mean, the conference room was for our meetings, right? And at first he said yes. And then after two weeks he said, I don't want you in the conference room. I don't want you any place on the premises at all. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? You know, he, he was okay and then he wasn't okay. He didn't really, he didn't like it. And it's kind of like the devil, you know, like Connie was talking about, the devil comes along and he's trying to deter the word of God. So I thought, now what are we going to do? And here's the interesting thing. There was a guy that worked in the back and at lunchtime, this man literally built a um, a blackjack table and the people from the shop and from the office at lunchtime would come and play blackjack for real money he was fine with that here are the guys gambling for money and my boss was okay with that but a bible study nowhere on the premises and here's the here's how the lord when i say the lord will reward you listen to what the lord did this man that ran the blackjack table he had a van and he parked it right on the curb off the premises 
And I went, hmm, I wonder if he'd let us use his van for the Bible study. The girls are going, oh, no, Pat, no, no, no. He'll, that guy is so wicked, he will never let us use his van. And I thought, oh, it'd be so perfect because it was set up with a table and chairs, and, you know, how uh, for camping. And so I went, well, I'm going to ask him. You know, I was such a brave Christian that I, I wasn't afraid of anything. I went out there and I, and I said to him, you know, we want to have a Bible study. I can't have it anywhere on the premises. Can I use your van? And he looked at me and I thought, Ugh, I wasn't sure what he was going to say to me. He reaches in his pocket, pulls out his keys and hands them to me. And he says, I don't believe, but I don't go against those who do. Praise the Lord. So we had our Bible study, and there was nothing my boss could do about it because I was off the premises in a private vehicle. So you, you see what I'm saying, what the Lord will do for you? So don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't let that devil get you, okay? Because God will reward you in the end. But for me, I also, to me, I had to forgive my boss, you know? I mean, I was, I was mad. <laughs> I thought, wow, that was so rude. I mean, what harm was it? having it in the conference room, which was perfect, with a big table and chairs, you know, and, and why did he do that? And it was simply because I believe that he just didn't, didn't like what he saw, how I changed, because I had started working for him when I was 17 years old. So, you know, he saw me for, because I, I didn't accept the Lord till I was 32. So you see what I'm saying? He was like a father to me, because he, he had three boys but no daughter. So I was kind of like that. And he didn't, like, he didn't like what I saw. That's the only thing I can think of. But very, very important. What people do to you at work or outside of work, but we're going to focus on work, you must forgive them. You can't carry that. I don't care what they say or do. It's on you to forgive them. You don't have to go to them and say you forgive them, but forgive them in your heart. That's what the Lord's looking for. So that was my first experience at, at forgiving someone. And there's another great story that I love. Uh, it's a beautiful story in Genesis uh, ver- uh, chapters 45 through 50 about the story of Joseph. Remember Joseph, how his brothers, uh, they were so envious of him because his father gave him the beautiful coat and everything. And they threw him into the pit and bloodied up his uh, beautiful coat and, and told the father that, that the animals had killed him. And then they sold him to the, you know, uh, I can't remember who they were that were going through, and they ended up in uh, being Potiphar's um, second-hand man. And, and, and the thing that I, every time I read the story in the Bible, I cry because it's the part where Joseph is, you know, he looks like an Egyptian, okay, because he's second-in-command. And then he saved all the grain. Remember, there was a famine for seven years, and, and the Lord was with Joseph, and, and he saved all this grain for the famine. And so, of course, his brothers and father, he sent his brothers to come and get the grain, right? So eventually, uh, Joseph, he does a bunch of terrible things to him. But he finally looks at him, and he goes, my brothers. And he says that he, that he just hung his head, and he wept. And every time I read that, I weep. But it's a beautiful story of forgiveness, because Joseph said, what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good. And you need to remember that. What people sometimes mean for evil against you, especially in the workplace, God will turn it around. He'll turn it around. You just need to be faithful and hang in there. There are going to be those situations that come up in the workplace. Um, but, you know, if, if when we have the word of God in our hearts, then and we start our day because I, 
I have to start my day with the word of God. And the reason being is because, quite honestly, I don't know how I would respond if I, if I didn't have the word in my heart. Do you know what I'm saying? Remember, there, I didn't put it in here, but the song where David said, um, oh, I'm going to mess this up. <laughs> I should have written it down. But he, he said, uh, I don't want to sin in my heart. You know, let me not sin in my heart. Uh, you guys know that scripture, Jackie. Help me. Uh, I, I, I just went blank. But you know which ones I'm talking about? Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? That's what we need, that I might not sin against you. So anyhow, be careful that you don't let that, let that bitterness take root in your heart. Because if you do, trust me, that, that root will go down and, it, it'll, and it'll take root and it'll grow like a weed. In Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, it says, let all bitterness wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. Aren't you thankful that Christ forgave you? Oh, I'm so thankful he forgave me. So looking at that scripture in verse 31, these are the natural human vices that I see. It's bitterness, which is resentment, harsh feelings, unwillingness to forgive, Wrath, which is burst of rage, temper, tantrums. Anger, animosity, hostility, clamor, loud outcries of anger, bickering, shouting. That does go on at work. Evil speaking, that's insulting language, slander, and can I tell you it's also gossip. Malice, wishing evil on others or being spiteful. So what we need to do is put off those vices and we need to cultivate The Christian qualities, which we see in verse 32, it says, be kind to one another. That means being unselfish and have concern for others. Being tender-hearted, sympathetic, affectionate. Forgiving one another. So you need a readiness to offend, to pardon offenses. Even as Christ forgave you, of course, John 3.16 Another characteristic that we need to cultivate in the workplace is peace. Boy, is that a tough one. What does Jesus say in John 14, 27? I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. You see, the world doesn't understand peace. I mean, did you understand peace before you came to the Lord? I didn't. I didn't even know what it meant. I was never in a peaceful situation. You know, only the child of God can understand peace. And it's a gift that Jesus gave us. Romans 8, 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And remember, this this mind up here that that Connie talked about, that's the devil's workshop. Man, he loves to mess with our minds, doesn't he? That's our old sinful nature. He tries to bring that up and, and, uh, you know, make us remember those things. And it's like, you know what, get away from me because I have been forgiven. You have been forgiven. We have been washed white as snow. Don't let him do that to you. You tell him to get out of there. (laughs) That's what I do. Sometimes I like I want to kick him. Just get out of here. Leave me alone. So, how do we let the Holy Spirit control our thoughts? And here's the same scripture that Connie talked about. It is my favorite, Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, 
all whose thoughts are fixed on you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. And so you're saying to me, well, that's good, Pat, but how can I have all these thoughts of the Lord and still work? How, how can I do that? I've got to concentrate. Absolutely, you've got to concentrate. But you know something? If you have that continual conversation with the Lord, it's like, I, honestly, when I, because I did a lot of accounting stuff, when my two columns would balance, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you that they balanced. If they didn't balance, I went, thank you, Lord. Can you help me find out why? You know, you, know, you can bring him into the workplace like that, just in your mind, just keeping your thought on him. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can bring him into most any situation. I, I, would, I did that all the time. I thanked him for everything, even if it was something I did wrong because I feel he's teaching me something. You know what I'm saying? It's just acknowledging him all the time. Acknowledge him in your mind and your heart and your soul and, and your body because you're at work. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything what is everything? Everything, whether you're at work or home, right? Everything, be anxious for nothing. And it says his peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I remember the first time that I, I felt this peace. I don't know if you guys have ever been overwhelmed with this peace, but um, when I'd had my car accident, I had to have this back surgery, and, and it, I had never been in a hospital before. Never, never had a broken bone, never had any kind of surgery. And all of a sudden, the, I'm in emergency surgery uh, because what had happened from the car accident that um, a vertebrae had come loose and worked its way into my spinal cord. And I, he said I was about a sixteenth of an inch from being severed, which meant I would have been in a wheelchair the rest of my life. So he told me, I'm gonna, Pat, I'm going to open up your back from the top to the bottom. He said, from Canada to San Diego. <laughs> Okay, and he, I'm going to open up your whole back because he needed to fix the vertebrae and he needed to decompress L1 through L5. So you don't have to get there early if you, any of you had surgery. You have to be there like at the wee hours, 5.30 in the morning. And I, I was sitting in the waiting room with my husband waiting for them to take me in. And this piece came over me that went, whoa. And it was, it was so powerful that I went, wait a minute, I need to be scared. Okay, I, I'm scared because I need to be scared because this has never happened to me before and I've never done this before and I know yada, 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 but I couldn't make, I couldn't talk myself into not being, <laughs> not peaceful. It was just this amazing peace that came over. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that, but this scripture talks about the peace that surpasses all understanding. It is so true. I didn't understand it, but the Lord was with me. He gave me that peace and he'll be with you too. Okay, let's talk a little bit further about all these great things that I said we're going to do in the workplace. How do we do that? There's only, we can't do it naturally, so we have to do it supernaturally, don't we? And that means being filled with the Holy Spirit. One evidence is this, Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all those things we talked about the Lord, right? Those are the characteristics, those attributes that we want for ourselves. It's the fruit of the Spirit. 
So you have the Holy Spirit within you, and when you do, this is the kind of fruit people will see, and that's what we want. We want them to see our good fruit. We don't want them to see the bad fruit, just the good fruit, okay? So the fruit is our goal, isn't it? So we need a goal when we're at the workplace. This is what I want to do today, Lord. I mean, you just ask him to help you uh, with this. So it's important that, you know, we speak the truth. So because we're in a world full of lies, aren't we? I mean, you don't even know who to believe anymore. You can't believe the news because they lie to you too. It's like the only one you can believe is the word of God, right? So we're in a world full of lies. So it's important. It's so important that we be truthful. And, you know, lies were going on, been going on forever. Ephesians uh, chapter 4, Paul the Apostle, he talks about, it's a place where he talks about uh, walking worthy of our calling, how some are appointed to apostles, teachers, etc. And then he goes on to say this in Ephesians 4, 13 through 15. He says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. There will no longer be immature, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Oh boy, isn't that true? This, this was written 2,000 years ago. And, and, and is that today? That they try, they're so clever, they try to trick us with their lies because it says they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That's you and me. All right? So we got to stop being like little kids. We got to grow up, read the word of God, ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And go into that workplace with that mindset. And I'm telling you, loved ones, if you start your day with the word of God, asking the Lord to just help you through the day, it's going to make such a difference. You will get through the day so much quicker. Is there going to be problems? Absolutely. Is there going to be temptations? Absolutely. Are people going to oppose you? Absolutely. But when you have that peace of God in your heart, you're going to be able to handle it, handle it in a godly manner that will amaze them. So as we mature in our faith and we get more knowledge from God's word, we're going to become more aware of the lies of the enemy. I mean, you'll just know because you know the truth. If you know the truth, then you'll recognize a lie, won't you? I mean, I can watch people on uh, evangelists, and I won't name any names, but I can watch them and go, that's not true. No, no, that's not true. No, you left out a very important part there. You know what I'm saying? Because that people do that. It says they're clever. They'll make the lies sound like truth. And we won't be tossed about, you know, with every false wind of doctrine because there are a lot of false teachers out there. So be careful what you watch on TV. Okay, be very, very careful because their lies can be very convincing. Instead, we want to speak the truth in love. We want to grow in every possible way in the Lord. We want to become more and more like Christ. That's our goal. And remember, we're ambassadors for him. We represent him. Jesus, and I love this, Jesus said um, about the truth setting us free in John 8, 31 through 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, "If if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Do you see that if there? If 
you abide in my word and you will be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The other characteristic we saw was Jesus was a servant. He served. Matthew 20, 25 through 28 says, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So, and, and this is going to happen amongst you, you know. I mean, it's, it's hard to learn how to serve. But when you do, the Lord, like I said, he just rewards you in so many ways. I mean, I, I can't explain it because each of us is going to be different, but I know through experience that he will do that. If you will be faithful to s just serve him and, and, you know, do what your boss says, as long as it's not against God's standard, tells you to do something that's not, that's sinful, then no. But you know, I'm just talking about regular work processes. You know, the Lord will reward you for being an obedient employee because we don't use that word slave anymore or servant too much anymore but an employee is basically a servant right because you are serving someone so that's kind of how we have to look at it galatians five thirteen says for you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature instead use your freedom to serve one another in love so in a sense you know like I said, we, we are a servant, but we need to serve and love and work. As, and I've always, in my heart, it's like, even if my boss is wrong and, and I know that and I don't like it, you know, I, I look at it as, okay, Lord, I'm going to work as I'm working unto you. It's you. I, it, bottom line, it's the Lord you're working for. He's the one that's controlling everything, even if this guy <laughs> doesn't think it or you could have a woman supervisor, whatever. You understand what I'm saying, you know, that... It's the Lord that is going to make the final decision about everything. So I like to say that I'm working for him. First Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend upon others. You like that? They will respect the way you live. That's what we want. We want them to respect our way of life because we're, we need to be an example to the unbeliever. And it says minding your own business, kind of, and that's hard sometimes. You want to jump in and that's where gossip comes in. <laughs> minding your own business, sometimes that's hard, I understand. But we need to show the world that we're different. Second Timothy 2.15 says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. We want to be good workers. We, we want to be known for speaking the truth. It's important that we know the word of God. So at a break time and lunchtime, like I took advantage of the lunchtime, you know, to teach a, a, a Bible study with just a, a handful of girls, but it changed some of their lives. It's amazing. Matter of fact, one girl, um, she, she got cancer after a couple of years and um, eventually it, it, it took her took her life she actually gave her life to the Lord in that Bible study so you see how the devil tried to stop it from happening 
But God has a different plan for us, and he will bring it. He will make it uh, happen. It will be according to his timing and his will, sometimes not ours. Sometimes we don't understand it. But if we do the best we can for the Lord and work unto the Lord, he will reward you accordingly. And also, if someone comes to you and asks, you will have an answer. You know, and I've had many people in my years of experience come and ask me questions about, about the Bible. And uh, it's always something that, you know, you can argue about. And, and you've got to be careful not to argue about the Word of God because they're going to try to trick you, trick you into becoming angry about it. And um, you've got to be careful about that. And you just have to say, hey, not my words. It's his word. You know, take it up with him. No, not my word. <laughs> so the final characteristic we saw in Jesus was this agape love. Now, this is a tough one to learn how to do, um, to learn to love the way Jesus loves. That means that whoever comes across your path, you have to love them as Jesus loved them. Now, does that mean they're going to become your best friend and you're going to do things with them? No, that's not what that means. That means that whoever you come across, you're going to give them that kind of love that can only come from the Lord. I mean, he loved everybody, right? The lepers, he loved them all. And we need to love them too. Like I said, they don't have to be our best friend, but we love them, which means we will be kind to them. We'll, all these characteristics we just talked about, be tender-hearted, kind to them. Sometimes you just need to listen to them. Sometimes they just need somebody to talk to. So let's look at some of the scriptures uh, about this agape love. Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, that's why I'm saying it's not you naturally that's doing it. It's you supernaturally that's loving these people because it's the Holy Spirit in your heart. That's what it says here, that the Holy Spirit's been poured out in our hearts, okay, so that we can then love regardless of, of what they say to us or who they are. 1 John 4, 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And there's that agape again. 1 Peter 4, 8, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So we need to love others just the way they are. And that's what I love about Jesus, that he loved me exactly the way I was. He loved you the way you were. Some of you were not as bad as me, but, you know, Lord, really, seriously, I've done all these things, and you, you still love me? And that was the part that just really got to me. When, when my husband said to me, who was my fiancé, then said to me that Jesus loved me, and the first thing I thought was, he can't love me. He doesn't know all these terrible things I've done. I'm thinking this to myself. I don't want to tell him, right? <laughs> I don't want him to know all these bad things. And I went, that was the first thing I thought, how could Jesus love me? He, he doesn't know all these bad things. But I knew enough to know in the next thought, I said, oh, he's God. He does know. He knows all those horrible things. And he loves me anyway. That was like, wow. That was such a revelation for me. He loves me just the way I am, and he loves you just the way we am. I'm so thankful, aren't you? So our theme, reflecting Jesus in the workplace, how do we manage to make all those wonderful characteristics we just talked about on Jesus apply at work or anywhere we are? There's only one way, and that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, 
but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. John 16, 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. 1 Corinthians 2, 13. These things we also speak not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And I just want to say to you at this point, if you are not sure that you have received the Holy Spirit. Now, when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the, the Holy Spirit is within you. But there is a second anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened in the book of Acts at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then all of a sudden they had this power to go preach the gospel. It's the same thing with us, okay? We don't maybe have the tongues of fire, but it's a simple prayer of asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you want prayer for that, I'd be happy to talk to you after, after this study. So the unbeliever or man's wisdom cannot understand this, the things of the Spirit. Okay, so the unbelievers, I mean, they don't understand. I didn't understand about the love of Jesus. They can't understand it. But that's why you and I go to Bible study. That's why you and I go to church. That's why you and I read the Word. That's why you and I pray. That's why uh, fellowship is so, so important, and that's why we worship the Lord that's even why we come to retreat, isn't it? Because we want to learn more like about Jesus. We want to be more like him. And this is where we learn all these things. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So to sum up, reflecting Jesus is a challenge, but it's a challenge that we need to take. We, we are the children of God. We need to show the world, especially how bad things are in the world, we need to show them that we're the child of God. It's a challenge. It takes practice like anything else. And there's one last characteristic that I know all of us can do, and I just think it's so important today, and that's to be honest. Be honest in everything. Moral correctness, uprightness, honor, integrity. In everything, that's what honesty is. Proverbs 12, 17 through 22 says, As honest witness tells the truth, a false witness tells lies. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil. Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. No harm comes to the godly, but the wicked will have their fill of, of trouble the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. Don't you like that? He delights in those who tell the truth. I want to tell the truth. I want the Lord to delight in me. That's always my prayer. Oh, Lord, today, please, I want to do whatever pleases you today. And, and if I do something that isn't pleasing to you, I want to know. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is the one that puts up that red flag and goes, mm-mm. I don't think you should go there, or I don't think you should say that, right? So that's what we want. So let's summarize. How do we reflect Jesus in the workplace? It should be evident in our actions and our words. 
uh, remember his character. He's gentle. He's lowly in heart. His yoke is easy. Take the yoke upon you. Let him carry the load. His burden is light. Let him be the load, uh, the, the lead ox, so to speak. Let him be the leader. And you're yoked to him. Let him carry your burden. And the characteristics we want to learn to reflect are we want to be humble, forgiving, peaceable, speak the truth. And by the way, speaking the truth, no white lies. There's no such thing as a white lie. Lies are lies, okay? Speak the truth. We want to serve one another. Wasn't Jesus our greatest example of a servant? And we want to love them with God's love, that agape love. And the natural vices that we don't want to reflect are bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. We want to cultivate the Christian qualities, those supernatural virtues, being kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave us, John 3.16. Peace, God gives us that peace that we don't understand, but it's wonderful. And it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us how to begin to apply these qualities to our life. So let's learn to keep our minds stayed on him. Let's speak the truth. Let's become more mature. And you become more mature by going to Bible study, by reading the word. That's how we grow, staying in the word so we know how to answer people when they come to us. And we will be able to discern the lies uh, and the false teachers. Because if you know the truth, you'll know those who are lying. And we need to develop the fruit of the spirit. And that's the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We want that fruit to be on our tree, right? We want to be filled with the Spirit, and most important, we want to love. And there's one characteristic I said that we can all do, and that's to be honest in all things. And that means when you're doing your taxes, okay, those are coming up. And if you're in sales, don't pad your expense report. Okay, been there, done that. White lies are simply lies. Don't be cheating on your test if you're in college or still in school. And don't exaggerate. You know, that's something we do. Don't exaggerate. Just tell the truth. It's so much easier. And it may take practice, but maybe we could start this weekend. Maybe we could start practicing this weekend. And here's the last scripture that I'm going to end with. This is it, I promise. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I know that I, I just went through and gave a lot of homework, and, and there's a lot, Lord, that we need to learn, but the joy of learning how to be a child of God is the greatest reward ever. And Lord Jesus, we, we want all these qualities. We want all these attributes of Jesus. We want to be kind and tenderhearted, long-suffering, peaceable, joy, all those wonderful things, especially your love, Lord. We want to show love to one another, but we need your help. So I pray in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone here that, that does not understand that, that, Lord, uh, they would come forward and let, let me uh, pray with them and talk to them. But in the, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all these other women, Lord. They came here because they want to know how they should respond to people, how they should act, how they should dress. So, Father, help us with that. Bless these women. I pray when we go home on, on Sunday afternoon that, and we go to work on Monday, 
that we just remember all these things that we learned today and that we'll start putting them into practice and that we will just love these people regardless of how they are or what they say to us. Lord, we need your help to do that. Would you do that for these women, Lord? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon them? Would you bless them, Lord, and give them safe passage home as we go home tomorrow? Father, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've taught us. Thank you for being our example. Sweet Holy Spirit, fall afresh, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you girls. Free time.